0: Think about what your board meetings are like, because that's where most homeowners see the board in action. And if it is contentious, if it is nasty, if it lasts three hours and you have 110 units, people don't want to be a part of that. They want to be a part of something successful because they are volunteering to be a part of the process. If they see that, if they see a functional board and things are getting done and the place looks great and the resale values are fantastic, That's a good board. That's something I want to be involved with.
1: Common Sense for Common Areas exists to help all 2 million HOA board members nationwide have the right information at the right time to make the right decisions for their future. If you're a board member, that's you. Stay with us weekly for actionable insights that minimize stress, avoid catastrophes, and protect your property values. This episode is sponsored by three businesses that care about volunteer board members, Association Reserves, Community Financials, and Kevin Davis Insurance Services. You'll find links to their websites and social media in the show notes.
2: Hi, I'm Robert Nordland from Association Reserves.
0: And I'm Julie Adaman of Adaman, Inc. And welcome to Common Sense for Common Areas. Welcome to today's
2: episode, where we'll be introducing you for the first time to our regular co-host, Julie Adaman, and discussing the interesting dynamic of the heavy responsibilities required of association board members, yet the limited talent pool they have to draw upon to fill all those board member positions, the homeowners. And you guessed it, that's why this podcast exists. To provide useful tips and encouragement, preparing board members across the country to lead their associations safely and successfully into the future. Before we get started, in case you have not had a chance to listen, I want to encourage you to check out our previous episodes so you can catch up and hear what we've shared so far. But, back to today's episode. We're planning to have two regular co-hosts lead this podcast forward. Julie is someone I've known for decades now as a board and management expert in the community association field, so she was exactly who I wanted to have on the team regularly sharing her insights. I'm sure you will soon look forward to the episodes where I share the microphone with Julie. So, Julie, let's get going on the program. Do you remember how we met? I was trying to figure that one out.
0: I, you know, I you asked me that, and I cannot remember, and probably because it was so long ago. Was it maybe a, a CAI national maybe? I'm
2: thinking it was a CAI event, and it was probably because I'd read about you. Your uh, newsletter magazine was something mm-hmm. I caught wind of, regularly reading what you knew. So I think I had that kind of a warm introduction to who you were and what you were doing. So
0: That was when it was still
2: print, though, I believe. And I bet all it was digital. still print. Uh,
0: yeah. Still oh, my print. goodness, honey. It's 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 been 20 25 years maybe but getting old here man (laughs)
2: uh,
0: well that's that's part
2: of it we've got a lot of years here and I appreciated feeling like I was um, I was aware of your expertise I was aware of how you were able to simplify it and Mm -hmm. make it uh, understandable to the the manager audience the board member audience you could take something something I respect you had the skill to take something complicated and make it simple and that's uh, a rare talent and so uh, Julie with all the associations you've touched, with the years of experience that you have, that was that, um, as I said earlier, um, just valuable insights to be able to bring to this board member audience. And so it's Mm -hmm. great to have you on the show. Well, thank you. Tell me a little bit of your background or actually tell our audience a little bit of your background. What brings you to this industry and to today?
0: Well, uh, I've been in this industry for 35 years. Hard to believe, I know. 35 years. I started out and I just fell into it like everybody does in our end of the industry as a manager. That's how I started out. I needed a job. I walked into Mercury Property Management in Southern California and boom, I was hired. I had no clue what I was doing. But oddly, (laughs) oddly... The work suit me. I mean, it really suited me. It was very fast paced. There was a lot of things going on. It was never, ever boring, which is what I always tell managers. Remember, it's never boring and you'd be bored to death in another job. And they're like, yeah, that's true. But uh, it, it was just so dynamic. All of the people parts and because everything's moving and it's all people, people, people. And I was good at it. So I was a manager for about 10 years. I started as a portfolio manager uh, ended up as a management company executive and a large-scale on-site manager at Palm Valley Country Club in Palm Desert, California. And then uh, when I was, jeez, I think I was about 42 at the time, I ended up, I, I left that position and I started this business and this business, uh, the main thrust of the business is recruiting and placing. Uh, community managers. Now it's mostly uh, large-scale managers or in-house high-rise, high-end managers. But to start it out with portfolio managers and and all of that has brought me to deal with board members so much. I mean, way more than as a manager because you have this finite group you're dealing with. And now I talk to board members, obviously managers as well. And that got me into consulting for board members and consulting as an expert witness and that type of thing. And it's been just such an incredible journey. And now here I am, low these many years later, I'm still doing it and I still love it. I, I do, I love it. And I love the industry. And just for all you board members out there, I recently just been on two boards at one time. Uh, I sold my rental house, so I had to leave that board of directors, but I'm on the board of directors where I am, where I live right now. So it's been, you know, it's been quite a journey and the people I've met like Robert, and so many others, it's just been terrific. So, uh, you, you and board members out there, you're not alone and you guys are doing such yeoman's work, giving of your volunteer time, all these hours and hours that you spend working on your associations. I know because I do it, but it's it, it, for me, it's kind of been a really nice coda at, at this point in my career to actually be on boards and, and get it really from the board member perspective. So it's, been, it's frankly been a wonderful life.
2: Yeah. Well, that's a simple summary to be able to say. Um, Mm -hmm. When you're working with boards, when you're a lot of these uh, current on-site clients or you're trying to place a manager, you probably have to figure out what's the personality of the board. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What are their Mm -hmm. dynamics? And so you can find someone that fits them, almost like uh, fitting a uh, a suit to a person's body. So you're probably pretty good at diagnosing what the board is, who they are, as an organization, mm-hmm.
0: what does yes, look like? and it well, most of it's art, but a lot of it is also somewhat of the science, right? But so much is art because I, I've been doing this so long, and um, and each association has its own personality, and that means the personality of the board, the, the current board, the personality of the board, and the personality of the community. We're a really small industry, Robert. You know, even on a national basis. I mean. Right. If I don't know someone who would apply for one of these jobs, I'm just one degree of separation from someone who does. So uh, I have a real good read on what's out there and what the people are like who would be applying for those type of jobs. Then you take that knowledge and then you, after discussing things with the board and with the, I, I like to try to interview the whole board at once. Usually they're interviewing me for the job, but I'm actually interviewing them. That match is is probably the, Best thing we can do, and we're really, really successful at it. I mean, there have there been some ones that didn't quite work. Yes, but over thirty years, not very many. I mean, probably less than a handful, less than a hand, by less than five over this long time. So it's a, you know, and sometimes I only get to deal with one member of the board. This last, I just did a real large scale one in Northern California, and I only dealt with the board president. But he obviously as the president, he's the leader and he's obviously the leader in how he deals with things. And his personality really resonated through the whole board. And so that was a really great experience for me. He was very on it. He knew what he wanted very and very open to understanding how things work in our industry from recruiting someone. So it's fun and, and, but you're right, absolutely. It's personalities that have to fit. I mean, I can have the greatest manager in the world but if they're if they're one of those managers that does a lot of financial stuff, like they are really more um, accounting oriented and there are a controllers, a controller type person. Yeah. And if the board is not that type of board, they won't fit together because the, 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 the minds don't think alike. One person's linear and the other people are thinking in a bigger in a, in a bigger realm, but they're not thinking linear. They're thinking in a in a more uh, holistic uh, uh, way. So it's real interesting.
2: Yeah. Well, as you're talking about uh, evaluating the personality of the board, tell me about some of the characteristics of a strong board, a toxic board, a well-functioning board, uh, a a board where they all think, even a board that all thinks alike. Is that good? Or is a healthy board one where there's a little bit of uh, discussion back and forth? Talk to me a little bit about um, the board dynamics.
0: I think the healthiest board is one that has some discussion. And I would say somewhat amount of dissent. Um, Because uh, what did George Patton say? If everyone's thinking alike, no one's thinking. Right. So uh, no, I think there always needs to be different voices that have some kind of an input. However, you can have that kind of board. But if that kind of board needs to function, and well, it does need to function. I think it's a good board. It needs to function. So what happens and what makes the board that has that type of characteristic successful is one that Okay, they can come into a board meeting, they're gonna make a decision on X, whatever that X is. And you've got five member board, let's say you've got three board members want to go one direction, two wanna go the other, and there's quite a bit of disagreement. And so the vote is cast. And once that vote is cast, and of course the three went out over the two, that when those board members walk out of there, they need to speak with one voice. Now that doesn't mean they all agree. It means that the board members who did not win that particular situation that they do not go out and badmouth the other board members i mean and, and i mean they can do, disagree all day long that we should right. have done that we shouldn't have done that but the way they couch it to homeowners when homeowners residents ask them well what happened up there why did that well you know i didn't agree with it but here we are and the board made that decision and we're moving forward so it's speaking with that one voice once the decision is made because you're a team you yeah. are a team
2: well i can see that uh, a discussion would lead to a better solution because then you almost need a dissenting point of view to refine it, to shape it, and consider some alternatives that not necessarily compromise, but improvement that can make it a better solution. And that comes with some dissent. And maybe it ends up with three to two. Maybe it ends up with four to one. But as you say, I think the board needs to leave with a we decided, not a yes, I said.
0: And that is uh, not an I said or not. a They said we've seen this happen. I've seen it. have seen it happen in boards that I've been on that if the people who did not get what they thought was the right direction to go is that they will immediately go out and start, you know, backbiting the other board members or making snide comments to other residents. That's the worst thing you can do because it undermines the credibility of the whole board, including the people doing the backbiting or do, out spreading rumors or whatever's going on. You know, boards, all they really have is their credibility and their integrity. That's, that's what they've got. And as long as they bring those two uh, traits forward at all times and everything they do, even if they disagree, that will be the most functional board and also the best one for any community. And that means they're going to uphold their fiduciary duty and understand their role as trustees.
2: Yeah. So do we summarize that as integrity or maybe a, a shared common purpose? We're here for the association. It's not about me. Yes. The- I got on the board Mm -hmm. because I wanted to change the garbage collection from Tuesday to Wednesday. That's, that may be a personal agenda.
0: That happens all the time.
2: Yeah. yeah, Or uh, the hours of the tennis courts or the hours of the swimming pool or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, uh, they have to leave that aside and say, we as the association, what's best for the association. And,
0: uh, and not just for now, not just what's best for now, but here's a concept you never think about. I mean, It's that it's for what's best for the future as well. And Robert, obviously in your business, you deal with this all the time because reserves and putting enough money away, that's for the future. And so many associations and board members, they're thinking, well, I'll be off the board in 10 years or I won't live here in 10 years. And what do I care? why do I care? Exactly. We said that in unison. It's true. It happens all the time, you know? And then that board 10 years or 20 years into the future who finally has to deal with what the previous boards didn't take care of. I mean, they're like the people playing musical chairs, you know, you're the one left, you're the one left without somewhere to sit. That's right. Yeah.
2: Um, I've worked for some associations. Uh, The one that I am thinking of right now had a combination, large plant development. They had one or two golf courses. They had an equestrian area and they had a marina on a large lake. And it was interesting to see the dynamic there, the pressure, uh, the tension between the boat people the horse people and the golf people i've had it yep. at associations that there's an interesting dynamic between and another one i'm thinking of the tennis people and the equestrian people tennis people were the white shoes people mm-hmm. the equestrian people were the boots people and mm-hmm. they weren't necessarily you know well mixing uh personality type
0: it's it's really interesting that dynamic is you're so spot on with that robert for me that's what makes this whole industry really interesting. And then when I'm talking to board members and, and, and boards that can navigate that type of situation where you've got the golfers, you know, who are versus the tennis people who are versus the equestrian people. And then there's the people who have their planes. They got the airport over here. I mean, that's, I just worked with an association that has Marina Equestrian Airport. Yep, and, and and well, and that's not all. I mean, they've got pickleball and tennis and all that stuff Uh oh, but... pickleball. Oh, pickleball is a deal. <laughs> I am telling you, I had no idea how big it was. In fact, I was doing a training session for a large scale association down in Arizona for for their employees. They have like 150 employees. This is a ginormous place. It's a sun city, and I made some comment about pickleball, and the staff is like, "Whoa, don't say anything about pickleball!" <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> In fact, I was telling you the association that we bought a house in down there in Arizona, uh, they're actually taking out some of their tennis courts to put in more pickleball.
2: Yeah, actually, I'm not surprised that it is. Well, that's an interesting thing because a community doesn't have to be static. And I actually like it when I see a community being dynamic where Mm -hmm. uh, we're we're no longer a community that has too many children. So we're going to go from three top lots down to two top lots. Mm-hmm. And uh,
0: community and put in a dog park and, and yeah. put
2: in a dog park wonderful mm-hmm. we have five tennis courts and they're not getting used that much let's go three and convert the other two to pickleball courts and that's a community that's alive and that's uh, I just enjoying the thought of those board meetings where they're saying as you were suggesting what is best for our community not mm-hmm. what can we do to keep things status quo how can we keep our homeowner assessments the same as last year that's baggage uh when you're going towards the future it's it's luggage i'm going somewhere what are we doing for our community to to make mm-hmm. to improve property values to improve well i, I don't want to go down that soapbox, but uh that's an interesting a that's a rabbit
0: hole that's a yeah. rabbit well, hole yeah
2: yeah yeah <laughs> that's an interesting dynamic board that's looking at yeah. a unified purpose what is best for the community and it has a healthy amount of dissension, mm-hmm. a healthy amount of different points of view um so it's not all the same, the same old, same old people on the board. Tell me else, um, what else? Uh, what are some of uh, the other things you think about with healthy boards?
0: Um, well, I think, uh, well, I'm going to c- keep kind of circle a little bit back to what you were just said something about that. It's, it's a healthy board is one that actually does see the bigger picture because so many boards, and I know you've seen this and you board members out there, you've probably sat on the board or you've, on, that was this way. Or you know, or what made you not want to get on a board because you knew they were that way is because they were static, and everything had to stay the same, and that means that board is not focused on the big picture. And to be a really healthy board, you need to be looking. You know, you got a thirty thousand foot view. You shouldn't be down there in the weeds. So it's having that larger view, so you see that the community has changing needs. Maybe people are more aging in place now. And so maybe there's some other needs that need to be taken care of. Like I said, you know, people take, they they took out a tot lot and put in a uh, dog park because there were hardly any kids there anymore and everybody had dogs and everybody loves the dog parks and they were all willing to pay for it. So that works perfectly. That's a healthy board, healthy boards that keep in mind the big picture boards that um, that don't uh, get stuck looking this way. We can't raise assessments because so and so can't afford it. You no, know, four people can't afford it, so we can't raise assessments. Out That's just a big association of hundred out of out of five hundred people or yeah. six hundred people. And and you know and and you and I've done webinars on this, Robert, for years now, about that type of thing. But I think uh, always keeping in mind the big picture—that's the number one thing you can do as a board—and keeping in mind the big picture isn't that we stay exactly the way we were. We we're looking forward. We're doing things different. We are going to be proactive in uh, in fixing things that need to be fixed. We are not going to wait till something falls apart. We're not going to wait you know ten years to paint the buildings or an additional ten years on top of what your reserve study says. Yeah. So it's it's those type of boards. Big picture, what's good for the community as a whole now and into the future.
2: Yeah. Well, I think uh, we need to appreciate that the world is changing. And mm-hmm. the association and the board needs to change along with it because they're, all of a sudden, if you're not changing, then there's a separation between your association and the reality around you. We've had COVID with um, all of a sudden getting accelerated into online meetings. We've yeah. had the supply chain problems. So, we had to learn some patience with getting some projects done. You know, Maybe you scheduled that taught lot and all of a sudden, yeah. you can't get the parts for one Six element months. of the thought lot. Yeah, Yeah, right. Uh, And then it stands not used. Um, We've learned patience and tension when um, gyms, exercise facilities were closed, pools were closed. Um, So this is a a situation where the board has to be reminded that the world is changing around us and the board needs to be responsive. And so that's requiring a flexibility that I don't think boards have been comfortable with and that's putting them into a little bit of discomfort. Um, But tell me about... Oh, what are some of the other
0: things that are uh, stressing you know, board members understand? you know Robert, I, I i i can't when the boards do feel that discomfort i can't blame them i mean i think they need to recognize it yep. but i want to say that i have empathy for it because you know you get paid really well for sitting on a board yeah. and yeah. <laughs> all and those leer jets out there exactly right and you know when you first get on a board there was like oh no it's just an hour a month it's a meeting you know and then you get on the board you're like oh that's way more than an hour a month it's hours some board members spend hours and hours you know every month working on association business especially boards that that you're you're self-managed doesn't have professional management company maybe they're not big enough for whatever reason they've decided even those big ginormous associations with three five six ten thousand units a lot of those associations have board members like seven member board sometimes nine, 23, if you're really unlucky. Uh, But those folks, uh, they spend, I mean, a lot of them, obviously that's why there's so many retired people who are on boards because you have the time. But I'm empathetic to it. So having, you know, not wanting to change means you're looking at something, you're like, okay, I know what I'm dealing with right now. And if I have to look over there and deal with that, I'm gonna have to learn something different. And I just don't wanna deal with it. And I get it but you gotta, you absolutely have to. And if you can't and you don't want to, and it's holding your board back, or if there's a couple members that won't do it, it might be time to look for new people to come in, maybe good committee members to come in and take your place and let them move forward with the community if you can't do it. Um, it's it's just, a, it's, it's getting stuck is one of, well, Robert, getting stuck is right where Champlain Towers was, right? I mean, that's- yep.
2: Yeah, That's one of the reasons we're here today. Well, yeah. uh, as you were talking, I'm writing notes here, kind of keeping my train of thought. And I was writing down new blood. As the world's changing, uh, the board members need to adjust. And when they reach the end of their comfort zone, maybe it is time for them to say, you know, we need to be recruiting. We need to be grooming new board members from the active people over here or the committee mm-hmm. people over there. And it needs to be. Uh, an invitation to do something that is successful, that helps the community. It's not viewed as a a heavy burden to carry. And so, if a board is effective and making decisions, and in my terminology, deciding not doing, um, that's where it can be some wonderful things, wonderful Mm -hmm. things going on.
0: Mm -hmm. And you know, uh, here's a thought for everyone who sits on a board. Now, you've all been in a board meeting which was very contentious or it took a three or four hour board meeting i will tell you as an aside the longest board meeting i ever sat in was two days two days wow eight to five i was the manager too eight to five the next day it was the most horrific stressful meeting i ever ever had i mean that's really unusual i've had never heard anyone's have two-day board meetings you know, board meetings that last if you're a large scale association, you might last two hours. Most meetings shouldn't last more than an hour. I know all the board members out there are going, Wait a minute, but no, they shouldn't. You should get things we, done. We will do an episode on that. Oh yes, we will. Gone in sixty minutes. That's the that's the title of that one. But anyway, is that everybody keep in mind that when you want to recruit or just, you know, start recruiting or or finding people to Maybe take your place next year, or maybe get on a committee, maybe you need architectural committee members. Think about what your board meetings are like, because that's where most homeowners see the board in action, is at a meeting. Or they, they may see it online, places record them. But if you they'll attend and if it is contentious, if it is nasty, if it lasts three hours and you have 110 units, people don't want to be a part of that. They want to be a part of something successful because they are volunteering to be a part of the process and they want to be in some a successful process if they see that if they see a functional board and things are getting done and you know the place looks great and the resale values are fantastic that's a good board that's something i want to be involved with and that's where you do it if you have that dysfunctional board you have loud contentious meetings i mean you've all sat in them or been a part of them you know what i'm talking about that's what turns people off from voluntary And y'all know how difficult it is already as as a board member in a good association. You have one association that is dysfunctional, and you end up with the same board members because nobody else wants to volunteer unless it's somebody who's on the dysfunctional side. Then they kind of thrive on it. You want good people. It's true. You know what I'm saying? People get on the board just, I mean, they're just gadflies. They just like it to stir it up.
2: One thing you were talking about uh, took me down a a thought trail, and I was just wondering. What can we learn about this? Uh, again, what can we share about this? And is there a a simple, helpful tip that you can share um, when, from my point of view? Again, I'm the reserve study guy, so I only touch them when I'm delivering results. But is it as simple as uh, for that board meeting to make it look efficient and effective? Is the, the simple hint the key that maybe we can leave uh, today's listeners with? Prepare in advance. So the show part, the board meeting itself part looks smooth and effective?
0: And it is smooth and effective, yes. So what do we? how do we do that? We are prepared for the meetings. If you're getting a board packet from a manager or management company, you read your board packet ahead of time, you come in ready to make decisions. And if you have questions, ask them ahead of time, uh, whether it's you're talking to the board president or another member, you don't understand something that's in the packet, whatever it is. And when you come to the meeting, be prepared that will go a long long way to making the board meetings much better for you but also showing people that you are a functional board and that you i mean i can't tell you as a manager how many board meetings i walked into and people are just there and opening up their board packet and it's 70 pages or 60 pages yeah yeah oh yeah
2: and supposed to succeed
0: they're not they don't and that's what ends up in dysfunctional board meetings because you know as as maybe some people have rented all and they're ready to go down the road, and then you know here's Bob over here who hasn't read his board packet and he's way back in the financials wondering how have you spent thirty five dollars yeah, yeah, exactly, well, right yeah,
2: yeah, got it um well, maybe that's it um you talked about well i can I can join the board. how hard can this be? It's one hour a month, well, it's not one hour a month, it is that prep time, but it's the prep time that When I think of it, I think it is so well-leveraged because it ends up being good for yourself Mm -hmm. because you're helping your unit value increase. Mm -hmm. It's helpful for the board. It's helpful for the entire association. The spirit of the community rises when things are running well. The reputation is better, not only with the owners, but with the real estate agents who farm the association. Um, Mm -hmm. That's good for property values. And so, Yeah, it's not a one-hour commitment a month. And of course the people that are listening to this know that yeah they do (laughs) setting saying this expectation appropriately preparing in advance those are some some great tips other high level thoughts on this
0: um let's see well let me just give you an experience that that i had recently so the board that i just got off of because we sold our house that we had in that association it's here local uh people absolutely love this community but it had a dysfunctional board for many many years this is before i was on the board but that board president who caused that dysfunction he finally moved out that's i ended up on the board taking his spot not as president but i ended up taking his spot once that person got off and he was a roadblock he wouldn't spend money he wouldn't look at a big picture once he got off and a new board president came in a gentleman who served on the board still on it now for many years off and on he's actually a cpa but he's a board president once he got on and then he recruited me to come on because I'd served on that board like 15 years ago as well. And then he got a couple other people, you know, when they had some positions open. And I'm telling you, it was night and day. There were fewer complaints. I mean, hardly any complaints, actually. And the place has very extensively landscaped. That's what everybody loves about it. Absolutely beautiful. Very few complaints. Um, when things needed to get done, we got them done. We raised assessments just a little bit every year because that's, as, as an industry was what we recommend board members to do. I know people are on a fixed income, but costs have not gone down and they're not going to yeah. go down. The so associate had to, needs to reflect the world around yeah, us. Absolutely. And so when things needed to get done, we got them done. We did nickel and dime everything. You know, we were thoughtful about what we did. The board members came in prepared. It was actually a very glorious for me. I think I was on the board this last time, four or five years. It, it was night and day. So. Again, the big picture is, is what's gonna be best for the community in the long run and in the short run. And this community was, I mean, I, I can't tell you, it's 200 and some units. And I, I mean, the level of complaint was like nothing, nothing. And there was a lot of landscaping, a lot of people, a lot of retirees in there. And for our industry, that usually means, oh gosh, lots of phone calls or lots of emails. Not so bad because the people were happy because the board was functioning appropriately. That's what, it was so cool to be a part of it. It really, really was.
2: Yeah. What have we heard so many times? That everything turns on leadership and the board is a leadership of the association. We live in a, a world where the board is real people, where the homeowners are real people. We have to appreciate that this is a shared form of living, but the board members are volunteers and if we can do anything to help the leadership and help the effectiveness, that's what we want to do here. I'm looking at the time here, so we need to be drawing this to a close, but you've touched on the topics of recruiting. How do we effectively bring new blood into the association? Welcoming uh, board effectiveness, the board dynamic, just that story you shared about the personalities on the board. How do we uh, work with the person- personalities that were were given? What do we tolerate? What do we push? How hard do we push? And then the, the big topic of the board, and the manager working effectively together. So many big things. So I I look forward to exploring more of these topics in the future. Um, So Julie, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I enjoy talking with you on the phone. I enjoy talking with you here in the podcast. In person on occasion. (laughs) Oh, in person on occasion evenly. Well, to our audience, we hope you've learned something from our discussion today that helps you bring common sense to your common areas. If you have a topic you'd like us to address or if you'd like us to follow further down some of these board member dynamic topics or questions you'd like us to answer, please call 805-203-3130 or email us at podcast at reservestudy.com. We we'll look forward to having you join us for another great episode next week.
1: Mm-hmm. You've been listening to Common Sense for Common Areas. Thank you to each of you for your engagement and support. To continue the conversation, you can follow the social media links for Robert Nordland, Kevin Davis, and Julie Adaman in the show notes. If you like the show and would like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. You can subscribe to Common Sense for Common Areas wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And please share it with another board member. You can do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And you can also support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. You'll find links to the website and social media for Association Reserves, Community Financials, and Kevin Davis Insurance Services in the show notes. But the most important thing you can do is to engage in the conversation. You can email your questions or voice memos to podcast, at reservestudy.com or call our 24-7 voicemail line at 805 3130 This podcast was produced by StokeLight Video Production and Marketing. With StokeLight on your team, you'll see sales grow as you reach more customers with videos that inspire action. See the show notes to connect with StokeLight. Finally, remember that the views and opinions expressed by the podcast, including hosts, co-hosts, and guests, do not constitute legal advice. We encourage our audience to consult with their own legal counsel before making important decisions.